Hey everybody, how we all doing? I'm Mike. I'm with Alex as always. How's it going? And we're here with another episode of Fallen Through Potholes, a podcast about video game plot lines and how they have the tendency to go off the rails. And we're here with part two of Metroid. Yeah. Ah, yes, I'm excited about this one because <laughs> you see, it's always fun when we like talk about a bunch of like, you know, good games. Right. But it it is a little bit more fun at times to talk about absolute train wreck games. And boy, yeah. do we got one coming up. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's really where the meat of discussion is. Yeah, it really is. Like the first was, you know, it was set in the stage, you know. We, yeah. we set the table. We put all the nice food on there. We got a nice tablecloth. And now I'm going to try to do the match trick where I pull the tablecloth off and nothing falls off. But except mm-hmm. everything is going to fall off. Yeah, and that's then, what happened at Nintendo. Exactly. And I'm going to let somebody else clean up the mess. It'll be great. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to be talking about two games today, and those games are going to be Metroid Fusion and Metroid Other M, and whew, oh boy, that's going to be fun. Oh boy, yep. But first, Alex, I have to ask you a question, Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm going to just presume you've seen these movies. If you haven't, that's okay, but uh, Aliens or Alien, which one? Uh, It really depends what mood I'm in. Like, they're Mm. so different. They really are. I I just, do I want an action movie or a horror movie? Yeah. Um, I yeah. think they're both fantastically well done in their own right. Yeah, exactly. They do they do very interesting things. They have both have pretty different visions and mm-hmm. very importantly their main character Ellen Ripley, how they handle her is is feel pretty different between the two movies, but they both work. Yeah. And I I think combined they create this really interesting character arc of like sort of a a horror movie victim who comes out the other side of it sort of changed into more of a warrior person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is honestly a pretty popular trend with uh, yeah. female protagonist in the late 80s, early 90s, because, you know, mm-hmm. like Sarah Connor would be another a- example of that, yep, right? Absolutely. And it should come as no surprise that the uh, reason why we're talking about this is because Samus Aran is based upon Ellen Ripley. Mm-hmm. Like, the many developers who worked on the original Metroid state that that she was an inspiration for the character of Samus. Right. As well as Aliens being, well, Alien, I should say, the Alien franchise being Mm -hmm. an inspiration for Metroid as a whole. And I think much like Aliens, Metroid tries to go two different tacks and take have two different takes on their character and tries to make it so that they all come back together in a way that uh, works out properly. Right. Like makes a well-rounded character. As I think we're going to see here, Alex, and, and maybe you'll agree, maybe you'll disagree with me, mm-hmm. but I don't think they succeed with this. And I think it's because what they do is that they take the aliens to Ripley and then they try to graft her with the aliens revolution, Ripley, mm. who's really into being a mom. Right, right. To an alien species. Right. Kind of weird how there's going to be some parallels with yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. I can see that. Yeah. So if you can if you can't uh this is gonna this is gonna be a very mom heavy episode. Yeah. In ways that are and it's gonna be very actually very weird because when we do actually talk about all that, it's gonna be very mom heavy until they abruptly drop it. <laughs> <laughs> but what about the baby though? The baby. Oh yes. Oh, but of course baby. we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes. In the meantime, we need to actually talk about Metroid Fusion because we have to set the stage for Other M. Yes. Uh, Fusion being, I believe, the first Metroid game I played to completion, actually. 
What was that um, so? Yeah, cause, so I played... I never played Metroid when I was a kid. Um, I actually, when Metroid Prime and Fusion got announced, it looked so cool that I got a used copy of Metroid for the NES through eBay mm-hmm. just to see what was up. And I was like, oh, that's neat. Um, <laughs> and then I can't remember if I beat Prime or Fusion first. I sort of got both of them mm. pretty close together and then probably beat Prime first, but then Fusion. Yeah, I, I could see that. I'm pretty sure I beat Fusion first rather than Prime because mm. it's just Fusion's just a little bit shorter. But right, right. I mean, either way, you, you can't go wrong. That's that's a really yeah, good Metroid game to be your first it, one. Yeah, it was a solid one-two punch having mm. those come out together. Oh yes, yeah. So after Super Metroid, the series went into a bit of a hiatus. Yeah, uh, this is a bit surprising as the game itself sold very well for the time. It, it sold roughly about 1.4 million copies. Uh, However, Shigeru Miyamoto, in a 2012 roundtable interview of IGN, did mention the reason that there was like no like Metroid 64, for instance, mm-hmm. was simply because they couldn't come up with any concrete ideas on how to do like a Metroid game on the Nintendo 64. Right. Which um, is kind of pretty in line with Nintendo's process. If they feel like they don't have a good idea for a game, they're just not going to do it. Right. Um, and I, I could definitely see how that would have been weird. Yeah, 3D games, 3D first-person games especially, were in right. a real weird state around that time. Uh, like the very few that you see, like very early like PlayStation games, for instance, that kind of try to do that are mm-hmm. universally terrible if they aren't yeah. you know, jumping flash. Yeah, and I think I feel like what they were trying to do was they wanted to do 3D, but they were still thinking third-person at that time, which would have been more in line with, like, I don't know, I want to say Jet Force Gemini. Yeah. Which, or th- yeah. Or that Bruce Willis game for the PlayStation. Yeah. Or S- Siphon Filter. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Give Gabe Logan a power armor. Oh, God. Give him a, a Chozo tasing upgrade, set everyone on fire. But yeah, so they couldn't come up with any concrete ideas. However, this didn't mean that they were going to stop trying. And eventually, not one, but two separate me- separate Metroid projects were in the works. One for the Nintendo GameCube, and one we're going to talk about in the works for the Game Boy Advance. I'm, of course, talking about Metroid Fusion, a hell of a game that was released on the same day as Metroid Prime. Which, man, that was a, that was a really good day in November. Like, yeah, oh boy, it was. Two A-plus games coming out at the same time. And also, like, two games coming out for the same franchise mm-hmm. that was kind of starved at this point. Like, it was a good oh, yeah. eight years since, like, the last game in the series. So now, unlike Prime, which once again goes off in its own separate direction, Fusion is a direct sequel to Super Metroid, taking mm. place shortly after the events of that game. Unlike the previous titles, this game features a lot more dialogue, not just from Samus, but also from a partner character she has throughout the game named Adam, a Federation AI meant to assist her on her mission. Another change that's made is the Samus and herself. Uh, due to events that happened early on, Samus is much weaker than normal. So instead of being a walking tank like she normally is, she's a much more vulnerable person in this game. I feel like this works out very well for the tone of the game. Mm -hmm. And between this and the increased dialogue, it really helps with making Fusion seem so much different than the rest of the entries in the franchise. Uh, Like, they really try to go off in, like, a completely different direction in this. And, Mm -hmm. like, whereas, like, with other M, as we're going to see, like, I think they like end up failing with this i think they just really do succeed with this even if it does kind of get away from what metroid is in some ways right i think 
if there's one complaint a lot of people have about Fusion's emphasis on dialogue, it's that it's it can throw a wrench in the pacing. Yeah. It, it's not necessarily that any of it is bad. It's just that it's wordy. It is. Yeah, the game stops you very often uh, to basically go through quite a bit of text. Right. Uh, usually just being spoken to, to you from Adam, the, right. the AI that's helping you out. Who, I, I do have to say, I do really like Adam. I like Adam I and Samus' rapport in this game. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it is very, very wordy. So yeah, with that, let's talk about the plot of Metroid Fusion, which, uh, in case you want to know how much more plot there is compared to something like Metroid 2, Metroid 2 was, uh, I think, two paragraphs. This is four pages. <laughs> yep, that sounds right. So, as previously mentioned, Fusion takes place shortly after the events of Super Metroid. Though the Federation is a bit spooked by the creatures of SR-388, the home of the now-extinct Metroids, and has sent a team of researchers down to investigate. They also created a space station, the Biologic Space Laboratory, or BSL for short, in order to simulate the various biomes of SR-388 and let them research the various species in a controlled environment. Clearly cognizant of the dangers of this planet, Samus is hired to escort scientists on the surface in order to collect samples. Mm. However, this turns out to either be a great idea or not a great idea. Mileage may vary. Well, they sent Samus to a space station. So probably mm. not a great idea. Really, you can't send Samus anywhere without a possibility yeah, of it's, blowing up. Yeah, and in space stations in particular, it's probably going to blow up. It's, nah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fun fact, something does blow up in this game. I'm going to leave it to you, the viewer, to decide, is it the planet or is it the space station? <laughs> You'll find, vote now on your phones. You'll find out later. Yeah. So when Samus is down on the surface, she kills a hostile creature but then a yellow floating globular jelly thing like flies out and is absorbed in Samus' body. She doesn't feel too particularly affected by it and completes her mission, but when she goes to lead the space station, she falls unconscious while piloting a ship and crashes into a nearby asteroid. After her escape pod is recovered by the Federation, she's taken to a medical facility out of the system, and they discover the truth. The yellow glob is a new species called the X-Parasite, and it has infected Samus and her suit, slowly killing her. So now they're bringing in a little bit of the thing here. Mm. So they surgically remove most of her suit because unfortunately her suit being like mechanically, both mechanical and organic, uh, it's basically adhered to her when it's on. And since she's unconscious, she can't turn it off. Right. So they remove her suit by surgical means, which according to in-game dialogue, apparently alters her appearance. But as we will see in ending slides, (laughs) it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) But the point is, is that it basically, she, they had to strip off all the actual armor, and they basically only leave her undersuit. However, even that's not enough. It turns out it's going to be the end of Samus, or so it would seem. It turns out they have made a cure using the cells of the baby Metroid. By giving Samus this cure, she is able to like absorb the X-Parasite within her and destroy it. This is because by giving her Metroid DNA, it alters her DNA to be part Metroid. Sure. So, so Samus is now part bird person, part space jellyfish, all woman. Yeah. So this means now she can destroy the X-Parasite by just simply touching it. But this means that she also has all the uh, Metroid's weaknesses, uh, which is the cold and uh, presumably giant eye lasers. Mm, right. So what exactly are the X-Parasites? The X-Parasites, turns out, are the native creatures of SR-388. And they are by themselves quite weak. However, they possess the ability to absorb any organic creature they come in contact with. 
Furthermore, this allows them to transform into said creature, replicating their abilities and even their intelligence. It's theorized, and later outright confirmed, that the Chozo created the Metroid as a means of hunting the X into extinction. Can you see a running theme with a Chozo making yeah. creatures and having it kind of backfire on them? Yeah. Yeah. They're not great for foresight. They are not. Once again, they are the could've, not should've race. Yeah. So this was mostly successful until Samus came along and murdered them all, allowing mm -hmm. the X to come back. Oops. So Samus is barely covered by this point when she gets some disturbing news. There has been an explosion on the BSL, and despite being in a weakened state, she is sent to investigate. She's given a new ship and is outfitted with a matter-of-fact AI to help her on her mission. So Samus isn't a huge fan of this, but the personality of the AI, being very brusque and cold, reminds her of her old commanding officer, General Adam Malkovich, the one person she trusted in the Federation military. So as such, she secretly decides to nickname him Adam, and mm. together they take off for the BSL. So upon arrival, Adam tells Samus that it appears the X have infested the entire station. Most, if not all, the crew is dead, and Samus is tasked with finding survivors and dealing with the X. At first, this seems impossible, but she has two advantages. She can absorb free, uh, freely floating X, and by absorbing certain X, she can actually regain some of her suit powers from them. The Federation also has been reverse engineering her old weapons, and will be sending her them like via data rooms on the station as they are completed. So... She's slowly getting stronger and stronger, but even from the very beginning, she's pretty outgunned. So shortly into her mission, she discovers that the explosion came from the storage room, and after taking off the various biomes to discover, like, okay, what exactly escaped from there? How exactly this happened? You know, like, mm -hmm. and like, what if anything, you know, is happening here? Right. Uh, Adam contacts Samus to tell her what he's found out. It turns out that Samus's old suit pieces were stored in that storage room. Mm. They were actively being studied on, but because remember the part where they said that they were organic? Right. The X infected it and eventually reformed into a clone of Samus called the SAX. Which is really cool. The SAX is so cool. It's so damn cool. And it's such a great mechanical foil. Mm -hmm. Oh, it is. Because it looks just like it more or less does in Super Metroid. And you first discover it when like, you go down to the, like, for the first biome. And right. then just the wall blows up, and you just see essentially Samus walk out. Right. And it looks to the screen, and it zooms in on her eyes, and they're just lifeless. And you're like, oh, this is bad. Cause like, and, and then you shoot it, and nothing happens. And nothing happens. Also, it can instantly kill you, because it can freeze you, it turns out. Because yep. you're part Metroid. Yeah. So basically what happened is that the SAX escaped. Like, it laid a power bomb, blew up its like storage capsule, and then released a bunch of X. Right. And now it's identified Samus as its only remaining threat and is now actively hunting her. And so throughout the game, Samus will, in admittedly pre-planned places, mm -hmm. run into the SAX and will have to, like, usually escape and run from it. Right. So, again, the SAX is really cool. Mm -hmm. However, this game's treatment of her suit is so goddamn confusing. <laughs> I don't know how the power suit works anymore. It's barely explained at all, really. Like, the, they sort of introduced this techno-organic element to it for the sake of making the SAX, but then, like, they didn't... It's so unclear what that element is and why it's like that, and, mm -hmm. like, what part of the suit is still on her, and is it 
stuck on her or can she remove it or yeah i'm very unclear about how the suit works now i am too and it's like okay so like and also it kind of brings the question like well how much dna does the x need to actually recreate an entire power suit essentially right apparently not all of it apparently not and yeah it just becomes exactly like samus down to having like the ice beam and screw attack and all the other super powerful stuff right and like samus has metroid dna now does the does the fusion suit have metroid dna yeah that's a that's a good question maybe it's it's never really explained it it seems like it does though because it seems like since it's part of her essentially it is also like a living metroid on her right yeah can she take off the fusion suit is a question i've never been clear on yeah judging from the ending slides the answer is yes and i'm gonna guess from metroid dread the answer is also yes right but um, yeah, but the way they set it up, like with the opening scroll, and that's kind of how she looks. Like she looks vastly different. Right. Uh, yeah. It, the the opening made it seem like that part of the suit is just stuck on her now. Yeah. Like and it's like, just merged with her skin. Yeah. But then like they're they, like, oh no. Yeah. No. It's like no. Actually, it's just we just wanted to make her look cool. Yeah. Which, to be fair, I really like how the fusion suit looks. It looks really cool. But like, mm-hmm. part of what's cool about it is it looks human Mm -hmm. like it looks like that's actually part of her body now yeah but then they're like oh no which i guess that's how the zero suit works i'm super unclear on the zero suit as well yeah i don't know what the heck the zero suit is like it's like the she needs to have that as like that's the vessel of which the power armor like forms around or what right Uh, yeah oh man it's it's so confusing yeah so samus now has to deal with a merciless killer hunting her all the while, she's going through various parts of the station, and things aren't adding up. It doesn't seem like this was just research to creatures of SR-388, and this is backed up by the fact that she quickly runs into, like, now-controlled-by-the-X space pirates, mm. and even finds the frozen body of Ridley there. Right. And this is even further backed up when Samus accidentally accesses a data center and gets a weapon the Federation didn't mean to send, <laughs> <laughs> indicating they were intentionally holding back weapons from her. Mm. Like, even Adam, yeah, like even Adam's like, hey, you weren't supposed to get that yet. It's <laughs> like, there might be repercussions for this. And it's like, what do you mean? <laughs> you want me to take care of the X, don't you? All the while, Adam is constantly badging her to continue her mission, which seems to consist mostly of putting out fires, essentially, and keeping right. things intact rather than dealing with the X. Right. Eventually, Samus is put on the run by the SAX and is forced to go deep into a part of the research station she isn't supposed to have access to. Upon accessing this forbidden wing, she discovers what the Federation is truly doing. Boy, I'm just seeing so many red flags for Other M right now. Yeah, aren't you? <laughs> but we'll get to those. <laughs> oh, yes, we will. This was all a front, by the way, to replicate the Metroid. Mm. Like, you get in there and you discover various tubes containing Metroids in them, and, like, you see right. data files on, like, the different life cycles of the Metroid. But before she can, like, grapple with this implication of what the Federation is doing, the SAX shows up and just goes berserk. It's like, there are Metroids <laughs> everywhere. I need to take care of this. Yep. And it starts firing on them, which in turn just frees them, and they all, like, just swarm the <laughs> SAX and overwhelm it. Right. This also causes an emergency function to activate on that part of the station, where it's like, oh, no, Metroids are out. We got to not let things contaminate. Right. It detaches that part of the station, and it explodes, taking the Metroids and the SAX with it. Samus, of course, barely escapes. 
Mm-hmm. So she quickly resolves that she needs to take care of this X problem once and for all by doing the only thing she knows how to do. Extinction events. Basically. She's going to blow up the station. Yep. So upon getting to a navigation room before reaching the main part of the station, she's immediately locked in by Adam. Adam tells her the truth. The station was made to replicate the Metroid in its ideal environment. Like, he's straight up like, hey, mm-hmm. yeah, why do you think we built a sacked replica of SR388? You think we're scared about anything that's down there? Nah, no, no, no. We right. wanted to make ourselves some bioweapons. Mm. However, with the emergence of the X, Adam tells her that they represent an even greater possibility, and that she cannot leave and destroy them. She also tells her two things. First, the SAX isn't destroyed. In fact, it's made 10 copies of them itself, and they're all hunting her actively as, as they speak. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, which when you get that, it's really great, because it's like the first time Samus like really says anything other than open the door. Right. She's like, 10? Because she's like, I can't deal with one. Right. Second, a Federation team is on its way to secure the station and the SAX for study. Samus immediately recognizes the threat, and in an eternal monologue tells the player that the Federation lands here, they will instantly be absorbed. Right. Which means the X will gain a knowledge of the Federation, and even more importantly, access to their ships. With those, they can spread across the galaxy and wipe out all life as they see fit. So... Samus once again tries to leave, but Adam won't let her. Like, they have a back and forth, and in her mm. frustration, she yells at him, don't let them do this. Can't you see what will happen, Adam? The computer's very confused by this, because this is the first time he's been called Adam. And right. asks, uh, yeah, who's Adam? <laughs> so Samus is like, ah, oh, this is awkward. Uh, mm. uh, she explains it was a friend of hers that died saving her life. The computer's like, oh, well, that's nice. Boy, he sounded like a really foolish person. This is really stupid. And tells Samus she's foolish for being so sentimental. And, like, she gets really upset. It's like, how, how can you even possibly know what I'm thinking? You were an unfeeling machine. Right. He tells her that even if she destroys the station, like, she's not going to accomplish anything. The X on the surface would still exist. They'll, go just, they'll just go there. However, if she were to alter the orbit on the station and cause it to crash, the station is big enough that would likely destroy the planet entirely. Samus is a little taken aback by that and sees that the doors are unlocked and is then told by the computer that her mission is to alter the station's orbit from the controls on the top deck and if she has any objections, lady. (laughs) Upon hearing this, Samus realizes these were the words her Adam used to tell her before every mission. And with that, she realizes this computer really is Adam, or at least an AI with his personality, which, hell of a coincidence. Yeah, but, you know. It, It works. I like it. Yeah. So Samus makes her way up to the control room, and along the way, she fights an SAX and manages to defeat it. Although it swiftly gets away, like its core X like flies up and just flies off. It's like, nope, I'm out. You're right. absorbing me. So she alters the flight path and immediately goes to escape. However, upon arriving at her ship, first off, ship's gone. She's like, that's confusing. Mm. Second, she finds that one of the Metroids has survived, and it's evolved into an Omega Metroid, which is one step below the Queen. Right. She proves quickly to be no match for it, as she has no real ability to freeze it. Like, she has freeze missiles, but mm-hmm. Metroids aren't affected by missiles. Right. However, the wounded SAX shows up and does battle with it, at first doing quite a bit of damage since it has the ice beam, but is quickly destroyed. Samus absorbs the SAX core with it, and a really good musical sting starts. Right. And she gains the ability to use the ice beam again. With it, she quickly destroys the Omega Metroid and escapes. Like, the ship flies back in, she gets on it and leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, you remember those animals that I said were like an Easter egg back in Super right. Metroid way back in the day? Mm-hmm. Um, t- 
turns out, it, it turns out they're plot relevant. Turns out they somehow <laughs> ended up on that space station and you rescue them at some point during the game. Yeah. And, and also they can pilot your ship. And someone <laughs> oh, the <laughs> Right. Yeah. Freaking ostrich is just like. Yeah. Got her beak on there and just move those controls. And it's like Omega Metroid's here. We're out. <laughs> yeah. It's really st- stupid. But yeah. Whatever. So upon escaping, Samus witnesses SR388 explode, which um, if you voted earlier for either space station or planet, turns out you're wrong. It was both. It was both. <laughs> yeah, Samus got a two for one deal on this one. Which, oh boy, that space station's got to be really big to blow up a planet. It has to be really big, right? Like, I don't think the moon would blow up Earth if it hit it. No, it, it would leave us in a bad state. Like it would all be life real would be bad, but it would not blow up. Yeah, it's that station. Just the power <laughs> core on that station was just yep, literally just the sun, ready to go. <laughs> so Samus realizes with all this that she's probably going to be on the run from the Federation for the rest of her life. Ah, uh, fun. Yeah, but Adam tells her that this might not be the case. After all, one of them will understand. One of them will must. And with that, she takes off for the stars once again. And until Metroid Dread is released, I, I think by the time this drops, one week after this podcast, uh, mm. that's the furthest along we're at. Right. But that's not the uh, most recent Metroid game released. Because, Alex, mm. do, do you like plot? Dread better be really good. It, it does look really good. I'm really excited about It does about look really game. good. Oh, my God. But, oh, boy, it better be. <laughs> Alex, do you like uh, the character of Adam? He's okay. Yeah, he seems fine. He's fine. Were you hankering to meet the real life Adam? No. Were, Not were really. You, well, were you were you hankering to hear about his relationship with Samus? No, I think the amount of that that was disclosed in Fusion was the exact right amount. I think hearing Samus talk about him and his significance in her past was the right way to do that, and we got what we needed from that. But don't you want to learn how she just really wanted a dad? No. <laughs> well, Nintendo did. Or one very specific person really thought you did. God. And in 2010, a little game called Metroid Other M came out for the Nintendo Wii. Okay. So I want to start this off by saying that I really, really want to like Other M. There's a lot of good ideas in this. I think the basic concept that this game starts from is actually really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think I like the idea of actually having a surprisingly wide-ranging cast of characters. Mm -hmm. And like what happens to those characters is like really good for like a horror-moving setting. Yeah. I just think that beyond that basic premise, they trip over themselves at every opportunity, literally every opportunity. There's not a single plot point or plot twist that happens within this that does not leave my head scratching. Right. Um, And I think, so what I really like about this, and like, I, I have to be fair, what this could be is really hard to do well. Mm hmm. But so this game came out in 2010, you said. That is correct. Which means Metroid was a little over 20 years old at this point. That would be correct Um, because, yeah, it came out in 1986. Right. And at the risk of jumping ahead a little bit, Other M is a direct sequel to Super Metroid. This is true, yes. 
Um, and it, it, it picks up right after that. And it's, it portends to sort of deal with Samus's emotional fallout from Super Metroid, mm-hmm. which is sort of triggered by the death of the baby Metroid during the fight with Mother Brain, mm-hmm. which I really actually like because the way Super Metroid is structured, um, there's not really any time to deal with that on an emotional level. And yeah, it was just a baby space jellyfish. But, like, Samus did have some emotional attachment to it, as evidenced by the fact that she didn't just blow it the hell away the moment she saw it. Yeah, it's it's another example of, like, really good environmental storytelling that's done in Metroid, where between Metroid 2 and Super Metroid, even though you spend very little time with the baby Metroid, like, the second you see see the baby Metroid in Metroid 2, like, you get some, like, really soft music playing. yeah. And, like, it follows you around and makes, like, cooing noises. And, you like, you can't hurt it. You take it back with you. And then, yeah. and then Super Metroid, like, immediately having it being stolen from you by Ridley and having to, like, chase him down. Like, it, they do a really good job with the very limited time that you have with it of establishing a pretty good, like, emotional connection. Yeah. And so, like, again, you don't really get time to see her having to deal with any sort of fallout of it, you know, dying, protecting her. Mm-hmm in the final fight with Mother Brain. And I think going back and exploring that, especially as a window to other traumas that she has, you know, whether that's her parents or allies from her time in the Federation, you know, Samus has lost people in her life. She has. And the only window we've ever seen of her to that point in the franchise is in this extremely badass, stoic, planet-killing bounty hunter. Mm Mm-hmm. And the ability to break down that 20 years of expectation and crack that open to explore a more emotionally damaged and vulnerable side of her is really, really interesting to me. It is ripe with possibilities. It 100% is. Yeah. So let's talk about what they did. Yeah. Yeah, let's see if if they accomplish that. Oh, so yeah, as mentioned, until Metroid Dread is released later in October, this is the mm-hmm. first, like, Fusion is the furthest long in the story that Metroid has explored so far. This isn't to say that other Metroids hadn't been released during that time, such as, like, Zero Mission came out, as well as Prime 2 and 3, and they all right. came out to rave reviews, so all great games. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, however, they were either exploring well-worn territory or part of a different self-contained storyline. It wouldn't be until 2010 that we'd finally get a new Entroid, Entroid, it wouldn't be until 2010 when we would finally get a new entry into the main storyline of Metroid. And who oh boy. Oh boy. What an entry we got with Metroid Other M. So Other M is a uh, reviled game <laughs> in the Metroid fandom. I think it's safe yeah. to say. Yeah. The game, as Alex already kind of explained, it focuses on the story of Samus and her relationship to Adam and the baby Metroid and really the fallout of the events of Super Metroid. In telling the story... It commits, though, what feels like a borderline character assassination of Samus in a way that feels out of left field. Mm-hmm. Overall, the narrative and gameplay seem to be completely all over the place, with weird ideas being thrown in there and plot twists and villain reveals that seem like they were, at best, thrown in at the last minute. Or removed at the last minute. Yeah. Yeah. I. Oh, my God. <laughs> the, the late game twist that happens here is so baffling 
that I cannot imagine why anybody thought this was a good idea. Right. So again, I haven't actually played this game, so the details of the plot are going to be new to me. Oh, you're going to love it. I'm I'm excited. Oh, you're going to love this. So now when a game ends up feeling this way, where like the gameplay is like a little disjointed, the plot's all over the place, it's mm-hmm. usually because there was some problem with the development. Right. As far as I can tell, though, that isn't the case here. This yeah. was developed under ideal circumstances. Yeah, it seems like it was. So this was developed over a three-year period by Team Ninja. Uh, Team Ninja is the team that was behind, or I guess still is behind, the Ninja Gaiden series. And yes. By this time, they were off, They were two years removed from uh, Ninja Gaiden 2. So mm-hmm. still had a really good reputation and were doing really solid work. Right. And this was after their notorious uh, lead director, Itagaki, had left. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So this was post-Reformation. Mm-hmm. And Itagaki, for those of you who don't know... Man, oh boy, man, man liked him some ladies. Um, he sure did. Um, made some pretty good games and also terrible decisions in the uh, workplace. Yeah, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. But yeah, so like about an ideal as Team Ninja as you could possibly have to work on this. And Nintendo, being the publisher themselves, were hands off. And even if they mm-hmm. weren't hands off, they're known for delaying games to make sure they meet quality standards. Right. They were not above completely rebooting a game and just, you know, flipping the table as what it's called when Miyamoto comes in and just upends everything because he just doesn't mm-hmm. like what's going on with it. Right. So there's absolutely no indication that there were any difficulties developing the game at all. In fact, the director of the game stated that the project entirely reflected his original vision of the game and that he regretted absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not exactly the statement he wanted to make. <laughs> what with hope, but no, apparently apparently it did. Oh, well. So, in reality, this is an example of a game being made in division of the director and nobody seemingly stopping him at any point. And it just turns out the director vision wasn't that great. Yeah, turns out. And to be fair, though, it, you could see why they would have kind of let him cut loose because up until this point, given his reputation, I can't blame anybody for not stopping him. Yeah, and, I, and I'm talking about one of the original designers for Metroid, a man we mentioned last episode. Uh, later became the director of essentially all mainline titles up to that point that weren't the Prime series, uh, mm-hmm. Yoshio Sakamoto. Yoshio Sakamoto is one of Nintendo's most senior employees. Uh, he's still with the company as of this recording. Uh, he first joined in 1982 as a graphics designer, working on various titles for the Game & Watch series of handhelds. Um, I think his first one was Donkey Kong Jr., if I remember correctly. Uh, later, he transitioned to game design and also became a scenario writer as well, uh, being the main designer of games such as Kid Icarus and Balloon Fight, which uh, Kid Icarus, very interesting game. Balloon Fight, mm-hmm. hell of a game. Love Balloon yep. Fight. Uh, and he even wrote the mystery adventure games Famicom Detective Love, which oh. are, yeah. Yeah, I was really surprised when I found that out. Mm-hmm. Um, they're perfectly fine of uh, adventure games, by the way, that you can actually buy on the Switch right now. They've hmm. been fully updated and have very nice visuals. Oh, yeah, that's right. Fully, yeah, fully voice acting and everything. Yep. But he is, of course, most well-known for Metroid. He first came on to the Metroid project the last minute after it was having some difficulties being completed and was pretty instrumental in getting it across the finish line. While he wasn't involved in Metroid 2, he became the director of Super Metroid, and from there on out, he was essentially considered the father of the series. During this time, he was still doing other projects as well, such as producing the WarioWare series. Mm. Yeah, like as and I can even like design some of like the micro games for it. Right. 
So you can see that by the time you get to other M, he has quite a pedigree behind him. So yeah, of course you're like, no, I want to just do my vision. So, yeah. yeah, no, of course, dude, do your thing. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. He's really fucking weird about Samus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sakamoto is essentially the creator of Samus's entire backstory, mm-hmm. including being involved in the Magazine Z manga. Right, and, which, again, isn't that bad. I'd even say bad. it's pretty good. Yeah, I would say so as well. Like, a good depiction of Adam. Like, it's perfectly fine. In it, and the various other Samus-related media he's been involved in, it usually has some aspect, though, of Samus being some sort of, like, overbearing, like, having some sort of overbearing parental figure or trauma related to another male figure. Yeah. Like, in Magazine Z, it's, like, sort of related to, like, Ridley and, like, some PSTSD, like, associated with that. Or, as we're going to soon see in Other M, a lot of things associated with Adam. Right. Uh, and, of course, every game... Starting with the fusion on has involved, and like he like always point out in interviews, it's like I want to bring Samus back to a vulnerable state. It's like I mean, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. You keep going back to this well, like even the <laughs> right. upcoming Metroid Dread is going to do the same thing, right? Like it's a very central theme, so it's kind of interesting that he keeps going back to that. Mm-hmm. And then there's also just like weird comments about Samus in particular. Like one time when he commented like in an interview, like like reflecting on Super Metroid that. He was the only one who knows where Samus Beauty Mark is, which, right. um, according to other M, it's uh, the uh, left side of her lip. But by okay. the way, uh, this is details you don't need to know. But no. he's like, no. I just want to let you know. And like, he would just drop weird details like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All of this like led to the president of uh, Team Ninja to comment that Samus was uh, apparently like a daughter to him, <laughs> which. It always That's... gets a little weird when a creator is like this character. Like, he didn't directly say this, but when, like, a character is right. being associated, like, oh, man, it's that character's like a daughter to him. It's like, they're not real, though. It's, uh... That statement oh. comes up in association with Team Ninja a lot. Oh, God. Oh, God, it does, yeah. <laughs> uh, cocky, jeez. <laughs> so, in the end, though, Other M is nothing more than a culmination of everything um, Sakamoto wanted to tell us about Samus. Right. And who, boy, does he have some things to say? Yep. Turns out. With that, let's talk about the plot of Metroid Other M. Uh, so my notes on this are a little bit messed up, mostly because these uh involved me watching a two hour and thirty minute bits of like cutscenes and uh and gameplay. I, mm-hmm. I've played the game before, but I needed a refresher. And then right. me writing down increasingly incredulous notes. Right. So um this is gonna be accurate. But just in case if I, I if there's a weird tangent in here, I'll try my best to rein it in. <laughs> <laughs> so Other M starts out with a view of a debris field in space. As we see a bunch of cl- like comets slam into various bits of debris, causing them to explode. We then get a close-up on one of these explosions, which immediately transitions into an image of a fetus, which then slowly grows into a young woman. We then immediately transition into the ending of Super Metroid as we see Samus rescued by the baby Metroid, which is from now on going to be referred to as the baby. The baby. As Mother Brain slowly advances on it. We see the baby get destroyed, showering Samus with specks of Metroid and empowering her even further, allowing her to destroy Mother Brain. She literally goes like, does like eat this sort of thing. Like she does Mm -hmm. not seem like particularly bothered by this. It's Mm kind of weird. It's then revealed this was a dream. Samus is at a Federation facility after the events on Zeebies. She gives a report to the Federation Council in her full power armor, which I guess, I don't know, power move, I guess. Yeah. 
who gives her a round of applause and sends her on her way. So time passes, and Samson's out on patrol when she hears, well, when she gets what's called a baby's cry. <laughs> the baby's cry, as described in game, is a type of distress signal that's meant to invoke a response, not unlike a parent hearing a baby crying. That's, if that's real, that's criminally psychological. Right? Like, oh my god. I, I've never heard of that, like, reference in, like, real life at all. This seems to be wholly Maeve just for this game. Yeah. So it's directly to a place called the Bottle Ship. The bottle <laughs> is all caps, and it stands for something, but I forget. Who cares? Oh, my God. There's heavy-handed, and then there's just tying your hand to a brick. Alex, uh, do you know what, um, do you know what the, the, the ship, the, the space station looks like? Does it look like a bottle? It looks like a baby's bottle. <laughs> Is this too on the nose? Can this is what, up what the sort nose. Of this is down the throat. Uh, Alex, I want you to tell me, tell for the audience, uh, why, why do you think they called it Metroid Other M? Does the M stand for mother? It is when you take the M and put it the, on the side of mother. Other. Yeah, yeah, right. From Samus' mother. Also, by the way, the acronym is MOM. Yeah, also that. Great, great. So what gets crazy after this is after this point, though, Mm. They kind of cut out of the mother references. So they just completely front load the mom complex. They kind of do. And like it'll occasionally come up like a little bit here. But like <laughs> Samus doesn't really focus on the baby much past this. Oh, okay. It's, it's strange. Yeah, it gets dropped. No, instead it gets dropped because Samus then all of a sudden develops daddy issues. Okay, sure. Yeah, there's a lot of parental overtones in this. Mm -hmm. A parental wave, if you will. Right. So Samus lands to investigate, and shortly after entering the station, she comes upon a locked door, and a group of men known as the 7th Platoon is hanging out around there. So the 7th Platoon is a Federation Special Ops unit consisting of six members that Samus herself used to be part of. There are various specialties, such as like electronics and recon, and consist of Lyle Smithsonian, Maurice Favreau, James Pierce, K.G. Misawa, and most importantly, Anthony Higgs. Uh, Anthony Higgs is important because he's, like, the one person who's actually, like, friends with Samus, calls her oh. princess and whatnot, and, like, actually can get away with it. Mm -hmm. Like, he actually has, like, a pretty decent personality. Um, he was also, like, one of the first characters revealed in the trailer, and his thing is, like, he lifts up his helmet and goes, hey, remember me? <laughs> Which everyone said no. <laughs> nope. But he became very memorable, and he's also, no he's not known also as Mysterious Black Guy, or yeah. MBD for short. Right. I actually like Anthony an awful lot in this game. He's, he's the one he's character right. I like. Yeah. yeah. So he's like the one person who's actually friends with Samus. And they're all there with their commander, Adam Malkovich, who in this game is a commander, but on like the website for Other M is a general. Right. Which I think I think he's supposed to be a commander because he's leading this team. Other That's yeah, that seems commander level. Yeah. Other if not, then I guess I Federation military just really lives by like 17th century warfare rules. Right. Where commanders leave from the front or something. Right. So um, I, I just want you to know, Alex, uh, don't get attached to any of these people because they're all going to die. Okay. That's fine. So immediately there's an awkward confrontation between Samus and the 7th platoon. Mostly because Samus isn't on good terms with Adam, who very curtly asks her what she's even doing here and then immediately orders her to leave. Wait, wasn't she assigned here by... No, she was answering a distress signal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, it's here we get a flashback to Samson's time as a child soldier in the Galactic Federation. 
So we learned a little bit more about Adam's personality and some of the really silly traditions in the Federation military. Mm -hmm. So we learned that Adam is an incredibly serious person, okay. a tactical genius who basically would never joke around with anyone except for Samus. She knows this because every time he would brief his team, he would end his briefings by singling out Samus, staring directly at her and very curtly asking, any objections, lady? With a tone that is nothing if not derisive. Like the line read is 100% derisive. Which is weird because in Fusion, she explicitly said from anyone else that nickname would have sounded ridiculous and insulting, but from him, it never did. Mm -hmm. Like that was her explicit line is when he said it, it never sounded ridiculous. Yeah, and in my mind, I always figured that, like, he was briefing her separately and would do that as kind of like, hey, you know, any objects, lady? And she's like, nah, I'm good. And it was kind of like, and it was kind of like, yeah, like a little in-joke between them. Right. But here it's like, she's among her entire platoon, and he just turns to her and she's like, hey, you got any problems with this lady? And, like, she explains, like, all the soldiers, like, looked down on her because she was, like, a young woman who was, like, very childish and headstrong. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, but she's like, Hey, no, no, Adam, actually, this was a joke from him. This was a joke we had. And it's like, no, girl, no, it's not. He's a dick. He's, no. So to acknowledge that they understood orders, soldiers would give a thumbs up. But instead, Samus, always being very petulant about this, would give a thumbs down. Like, it is a very petulant thumbs down. She's like, right. just her hand out. And then, like, when other soldiers would look at her and, like, laugh, she would, like, go, like, eh, and then jut her arm out again, just like, no, I mean it, nah. Okay, so again, Magazine Z, they did establish that, like, Samus during her time with the Federation had a real authority problem. Mm -hmm. But, like, it wasn't this annoying. No, it really wasn't. It was, it was like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And then stuff happened and she went independent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, Adam encourages, like, hey, you should probably become a bounty hunter. You're being held, like, held behind by us, right. you know? Uh, which, unfortunately, that's not going to be the case here because, uh, <laughs> well, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. So Samus explains that she did the, all this because she was annoyed about being called Lady, and she also did to communicate she understood his orders fully. Samus explains, though, that she secretly liked being called something so delicate because it meant that Adam understood her, her past fully, and she knew that this was her way of acknowledging this. What? Yeah. She also further explains, and she says, literally, confession time. She felt he was like a surrogate father to her. Oh, my fucking God. She okay. acknowledges that nobody understood her like Adam, and that she regrets leaving his side and being so young and naive. Jesus Christ. Okay, Th there's too much. There's too much. Okay, so just ignoring every other game and media and the thing, that they literally just show you one thing and then have an exposition saying, Look, what you just saw, I know it read one way, but no, it was actually this other way. Yeah, they literally do that. This literally all happens within all right. like a five minute period. Okay. So yeah. just, they just straight up show you a thing and then tell you to forget that thing. This is the thing. Yes, exactly. Okay, good. Good. Yeah. This is good directing. And here's the thing. I think this could work. Yeah. I think it could work if at the end of the game, she looks at Adam and goes, I mean, you're kind of a piece of shit, dude. Yeah, Sure. She never does that, of course. Right. Spoiler no. alert. That is never going to happen. She's going to go out very end be like, Adam is the greatest. He secretly understood me. You know, he he absolutely loves me. He did, really. I, lo love me, Daddy, please. 
Oh my god. Yeah, it's the worst. Now, now to be fair, they do have like cutscenes in the game uh, where they show like Adam's office, and he does have like a picture of Samus on like his desk and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they are genuinely trying to set up that no, Adam really did do this because she, like, he understood her, but it just does not read that way. It, at it all. doesn't land. It just doesn't land. Yeah. Yeah. So we also might as well talk about why Samus and Adam had a falling out. Okay. So this is explained a little bit later, but there's just not really a good point to like fit this in. So she was on a high stakes mission to save some civilians in space with Adam's brother or like with the seventh platoon. Like Adam's mm-hmm. brother used to be part of the seventh platoon. He went in by himself to like go and save the civilians. Like he was going to get into the shuttle and like use that to like detach from the station and like take them with him or some other something or other. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, things go wrong and Adam's brother has to be sacrificed in order for the civilians to escape. So Adam gives the order, but Samus is like immediately incredulous of this and demands outright pleased with Adam to let her go in and rescue them both. Like both the the civilians and I think his name's Ian. Right. So he ignores her and gives the order that dooms her, his brother. So Samus then leaves the military shortly after this. Mm -hmm. And Samus believes that her questioning of Adam in such a tough moment was wrong and that he would always make the right decision because he's that much of a tactical genius that questioning him was totally wrong. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Wait, Except what? under, if you think about Japanese culture, particularly military culture. Right. Okay, so this is, it's a little bit interesting how many Nintendo characters are independent bounty hunters mm. detached from the military that they end up working with a lot. Um, Recurring if, theme, yes. Yeah. If they wanted, the fact that she is a bounty hunter means that that plot that that character beat doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Because, yeah, she goes, <laughs> and goes and ends up being a very successful bounty hunter who saves a lot of lives. Yeah. So. <laughs> this is also the first time that she's ever given India any indication that, like, oh, no, I was wrong to get mad about this and strike out on my own. Again, after being extremely successful and also blowing up several planets and or space stations. Right. Yeah, she comes off as, like, that one person you know who, like, leaves the military after four years and then just kind of regrets it for the rest of her life. Right. Like, she comes off exactly as that. And it's yeah. really weird because, like, no, you're actually having really good success. And, like, and you're, you kind of proved them wrong. I, yeah, you've also saved the galaxy several times. The Federation literally has you on speed dial because you're the only one who can get shit done. Yeah. But, once again, this is an example of... uh I'm going to mispronounce this, but philatal piety that um, is mm. common in very in East Asian cultures that, you know, shows right. deference to elders. And it's something that's very culturally ingrained in Japan. Like, you rarely ever question your senior. And if you do, right. it is a faux pas. But the thing that made Samus's character work in Magazine Z is that she defied that and went against it mm-hmm. for her benefit. Right? And there- that's the thing that makes her work as a bounty hunter. So one interesting take I saw about this, which I'm not sure if it's correct or not. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's impossible to know. But because Metroid was not super popular in Japan, it was felt that this particular character be and this particular deference was made in order to appeal to, to a mm. Japanese market. Okay. I don't completely buy that personally. Yeah. But I can see the point they're trying to make. I can see that. I don't know how strongly that tradition resonates with like japanese gamers specifically 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know either, but it's a... Uh, either way, it's a decision they decided to make, and it's one that, yeah, I don't... Yeah. It doesn't work. So we flash back to the team trying to get through this door, and, like, they try to blow up the door, and it doesn't. And they're like, man, if only had some way to put some sort of missile and put all this destructive energy on one place. And then Samus goes, mm. oh, right, yeah, boom. Missiles the door <laughs> open. And so Adam's like, meh. And so they run through. And they end up in, like, this room where they're like, oh, man, they find, like, this body of a lab worker. They're like, mm. man, it's like he was almost eaten alive. And it turns out he was eaten alive by a collective mass of, like, purple insects just start coming out of the walls. Oh. And in a very direct reference to aliens, uh, they literally say they're coming out of the walls. Uh-huh. So they immediately start fighting this, like, collective mass, and, like, it, it becomes, like, a giant mass and whatnot. It starts, like, knocking troops out of the right way and whatnot, and they only succeed in beating them when Samus, like, basically takes charge and des- destroys this monster. And so after this, Adam's like, all right, uh, Samus, what I need you to do is like, ah, yeah, okay, now you want my help yep, now. Yeah, there we uh, go. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, okay, all right, cool, cool. Mm-hmm. He's like, all right, we need to go and fan out and explore the station. So, Alex, it's been established that... Adam is a tactical genius. Okay. In this situation where they were quickly overwhelmed by a purple mass of insects, literally in the first room they walked into, what do you think is the best way for them to explore and discover what's going on in the station? Uh, everyone separate and spread out and go alone into every part of the station. Man, you could get a job in the Galactic Federation military because that's exactly what they do. Planning doing. on it. <laughs> Easy gig, okay. uh, easy gig. It sounds like, honestly, right? They probably pay well. Probably, yeah. So Adam, they didn't me- even do this in Aliens. No, they didn't. <laughs> even in Aliens, where the commanding officer was established to be inexperienced for plot reasons, they hunkered down and made a defensible position. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... But you see, Adam is just doing that 4D chess. He knows that if he does uh-huh. this, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll be able to cover more ground, you know? And nothing bad will happen to them. Yeah. Nothing ever bad happens to the 7th platoon. Also, by the way, Adam, like, locks himself up in a control room where he's perfectly safe. So it's all Oh, like, okay. Cool. <laughs> just kind of funny. It's like, ah, yeah, yeah, you're the only one not getting into danger, huh? Mm-hmm. So they all fan out. And um, Adam's like, all right, Samus. I need you to go to this particular station, but part of the station. But first off, you can't use your weapons. You have to only use your weapons when I say you can use them. And first, he gives like a pretty good reason for this. Like, hey, listen, I don't want you using like your power bombs and accidentally say right. nuking civilians, which is like, right. okay, reasonable. He's like, I want to just have a little bit more information. Right. Here's where it falls apart, though. Mm-hmm. He also doesn't allow her to use all her defensive options, mm-hmm. like her various suit, which gives her you know, extra armor and protects against heat or her space jump, which allows her to jump as much as she wants or or her gravity suits, which allows her to defy gravity. Like, and also the part where she's an experienced bounty hunter at this point, you think she would know the limits of her powers and would probably know it better than anybody else. Also, again, private sector. Exactly. Don't got to listen to Push comes to shove. She doesn't have to do what he says. Yeah, like, none of y'all can take me. Let's, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Okay, so this is, this is a p- complaint with the game brought up a lot for good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like we should offer some explanation 
Um, mechanically, gameplay-wise, this is a thing that happens in every game. Yeah. Which is, no matter how powerful Samus was at the end of the last game, for some reason, she starts off not that powerful at the start of the next game, so that you have to go through the upgrading cycle again. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's just that the reason in this game is really dumb. It is. It is very, very dumb. And, like, other games... Like, other games have either, like, good reasons or bad reasons. Sometimes they just right. straight up ignore it, like Super Metroid yeah, does. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, you don't, you don't have all your powers. Yeah, sometimes they're good reasons, like Metroid Fusion. Like, we literally had to take your suit apart. Right. And then something like Metroid Prime, it's like, well, you hit a wall hard. Yeah, so the doll turned <laughs> off. Just like, <laughs> okay, sure. Uh, yeah. You gotta do what you Fine. gotta do. But yeah, here it's just like, uh... Yeah, I see. It would just been better just to. Daddy it. says no. Daddy says no. So okay. So Samus goes to Sector One to go and like explores. It's like a tropical area and whatnot. They're all like mm. biomes that are very like similar to Planet SR three eighty eight. Coincidentally, yeah. Uh-huh. And um, you know, she all like you know fights through various creatures that are like you know trying to attack her. And, like, she even encounters, like, this small furry creature. It's, like, white, like, almost like a rabbit-like creature with, like, uh, little chicken legs. And it's very cute. Mm-hmm. And um, it's going to be incredibly important later. <laughs> it shouldn't be, but it's going to be incredibly important. So Samus eventually reaches a place called the Exam Center. And, like, you know, they find that um, the main computer has been destroyed and, like, a bunch of files have been deleted. So, like, one of the soldiers gets down and is like, okay, don't worry. I'll just hack it and we'll put it all together. Mm-hmm. And so... They managed to, like, do that. In the meantime, Samus, like, just stumbles upon a cybernetic version of a space pirate and oh. sees that as the Galactic Federation insignia on it. And she's like, huh, well, I got some questions. <laughs> and so the platoon, like, after they get the files back up, they discovered the bottle ship was made explicitly to conduct research on bioweapons, which is illegal within the Federation, which mm-hmm. Adam's like, yep. That's illegal, but hey, I guess we should probably find the main researcher, which is a one Dr. Madeline Bergman, and question her. So they end up, uh, you know, all splitting up again. Like, Samus ends up having to fight, like, a large lizard creature and all that, but, mm-hmm. and like, with, like, one of her teammates, uh, Anthony, actually. Mm. And um, after this, though, they discover the body of one of their fellow soldiers. Like, there's one soldier who doesn't make it, like, to the, like, the exam center. His name's Lyle. Uh-huh. And they discover him. And they're like, oh, geez, what the heck happened here? This seems messed up. I should also mention that, like, right before they're attacked by this lizard creature, they hear, a sh- like, a, an absolute horrifying screech that just sends all the animals in the area to, into a frenzy. Mm. And they discover the source of the screech is that little white animal from before, which is now horrifying and eating, like, bodies and stuff. Oh. Yeah. Like, mm. even screeches at Samus. It's, like, mm-hmm. really horrifying. But, like, when they find Lyle's body, they find that this little creature, which is called Little Birdie, has now been, like, broken open. And, like, it's like something has crawled out of it. Okay. And so, like, oh, well, we're not going to question this any further. Anyways. Oh. So, Samus decides to go to, like, the like Sector 2, which is, like, an ice biome, search for, like, more survivors. But there she discovers the body of another uh, platoon man. Uh, this one is Maurice, apparently. And... He spots, like, a young woman who's hanging out in the storehouse. So, like, Samus, like, manages to catch up with her and, like, tries to talk her down. She's like, but she's like, no, 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 you're here to kill me. Uh-uh. Like, hell no, you're not coming near me. Which, to be fair, Samus looks like a scary-ass person. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. 
And, like, she implies that, like, Maurice was killed by one of her fellow soldiers. Which Samus is like, well, that's kind of weird. I don't know why one of our soldiers would kill each other. Well, then, like, giant, like, construction equipment breaks through the wall, and it's being piloted by a Galactic Federation soldier. <laughs> oh. And she's like, oh, whoa. Uh. So the woman escapes. Samus destroys the machine, and, like, as the machine explodes, she goes up to, like, the seat where it's sitting in, where he was sitting in, and he's, like, mm-hmm. totally gone. So Samus is like, oh, no, there must be a traitor within the 7th platoon. And she's like, I don't know who it could possibly be. It could be anybody except Adam. It's not going to be Adam. Uh-huh. And she's like, I don't have a name for him. So I decided to name him the, the leader until she learns his true identity. Why? Because he's deleting people to death. Why, why wouldn't he just be the traitor? Because <laughs> you got to have a cool name for your... Traitorous protagonist, dude. Okay. <laughs> sure. So it's at this point that uh, Adam's like, hey, Samus, you need to go to Sector 3, uh, which is basically, that's basically the hot zone in order to reactivate the geothermal p- power plant. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, okay, yeah, I'll definitely go do that. And so she goes in there and basically she like takes heat damage because she is not allowed to use her various suit and daddy hasn't said she could use it. Yeah, that that's one of the ones that always comes up when people are like, this is the stupidest plot idea ever. Yeah, because like, it's not until like she's halfway through it that Adam's like, oh, I guess you should use it. T- turn on your various suit. And so she does, and now she's fine. So Again, private sector. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she should be able to make her own decisions about this. Also, once again, defensive option. It's yeah. fine, I'm sure, right? Yeah. Oh, no, turn on my various suit. I just now nuked a human. It's not going to happen. No, it's probably. Yeah, probably not. A very bright flash of light does happen in Super Measure when you get the yeah, various so suit. You, so maybe no guarantees, actually. Yeah, it's Chozo Tech. You never quite know what's going to happen. Yeah, never quite know. So Samus ends up getting into, like, the center of the geothermal power plant, which is, like, very dimly lit. And she turns to see that she has a laser sight on her. And she sees Anthony training, training his gun on her. And so she's like, oh, no, he must be the leader. But then Anthony's like, Samus, get down. And so, Mm -hmm. like, she gets out of the way just in time for her to see a winged monster fly up. It turns out Ridley's back. Oh. Uh, So you remember that little birdie? Yeah. Turns out little birdie is the larval stage of Ridley. Turns out the cloned Ridley. Ridley's back. (laughs) Okay. So it's also worth pointing out that at this point in the franchise, Ridley's been back like five times. Yeah, it's, this is really nothing. Like, in Metroid Prime 3, he literally comes back something like three times? Yeah, something like that. It's, it's ridiculous. It's weird. Like, sometimes he's a robot, and sometimes he's a cyborg, mm-hmm. and sometimes he's just, like, an- another Ridley or the same Ridley. They never really explain ever, like, how. Yeah, they they really don't. Like, like the Ridley Metroid Fusion is an ex-Ridley. The Ridley right. in this one is a clone. Um, right. Super Metroid Ridley apparently is the same Ridley, but yeah, but they we don't know how. We don't Me- know how. Mother yeah. Brain rebuilt him. Yeah, something weird. But yeah, so Ridley is here, and he's like screaming, doing all sorts of things, and Samus is horrified. Like she immediately gets overcome by PTSD. Which again, she's killed him like five times. Yeah, at this point, I think technically, yeah, it'd be one, two, three, four, five, if you count Mecha Ridley, five. Right. Depending on where Metroid Prime 3 is, eight times. Yeah. 
Eight times. And Anywhere between four and eight times. Like, he's a solved problem for her. Yeah, at this time, it should be more just a sigh when Ridley shows up. Right. Which, again, okay, so Magazine Z establishes that Ridley personally killed her mother in front of her. Mm-hmm. So she is, it's okay for her to have, you know, negative feelings. Oh, yeah. But post-traumatic paralysis at this point is not really the character beat. It really isn't. Because it, and this is what I talk about when I say, like, plot points come out of left field here. Right. Because it's like, wait, what? What? Why is she okay? Sure, I guess. And it gets even stranger because Ridley picks her up and she's just absolutely powerless to do anything. Right. She's just essentially screaming at this point. And then, like, she needs, like, absolute mental concentration, apparently, in order to keep mm-hmm. her uh, power suit on, which was okay. not the case in Fusion. Nope. <laughs> so that's a contradiction. Yeah, it's actually the opposite. And so because of that, she, like, loses her power suit because she's just so over- overcome with fright. Oh my god. And again, it, th- this is a frustrating one to me because at this point, Samus and Ridley should have a more interesting relationship than this. Mm-hmm. They really should. They really, really should. Like, the fact that he won't stay dead should be more significant to her than, oh my god, I can't believe Ridley's alive. Mm-hmm. But okay, sure, fright and the power suit goes away. We'll go with that, I guess. Yeah, it's oh God, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. And so Samus is about to be killed by Ridley when all of a sudden Andy uh Anthony manages to like shoot like Ridley and causes him to like drop Samus. Unfortunately, then Ridley goes after Anthony and like knocks him off the side of the geothermal plant, like the little platform lawn, and seemingly mm-hmm. falls to his death in lava. Um, the way it's framed, it looks like he's about to very clearly fall into ground, but Samus assures us that he is dead. He's uh-huh. very dead, and she is not going to look over the edge. Okay. So Samus is now super angry and just battles Ridley and bodies him. Absolutely bodies him. Mm. And Ridley escapes heavily wounded. Like, he does like look really messed up. Like, he has like a bunch of like nasty green wounds all over his body. His wings are all torn up. Like, he's, he's, mm-hmm. he's doing bad. Damn. So, leaving the plant... She realizes she can't contact Adam. And so she's like, oh, man, the leader may have already gotten him. Oh. And she, like, spots one of her comrades, like, entering Sector 1. So she's like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and pursue. And um, when she, you know, gets through there and does, she ends up, she doesn't run into that person. But instead, she runs into that same woman she found earlier. So this woman is a, a young woman wearing a lab coat with long blonde hair. And she introduces herself as Madeline Bergman. So it's like, all right, we found Dr. Bergman. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So she reveals that, hey, the Federation was gathering Zabesians and other deadly organisms to enhance them through cybernetics because they wanted to create a special uh, special forces unit consisting of nothing but space pirates. Literally called the Space Pirate Special Forces Unit. So the project... Unfor- nothing about that makes sense. It really doesn't. No. <laughs> There's too many nonsensical aspects of that plot to go into. It just <laughs> literally makes zero sense. Oh, don't worry. It gets better. You see, the project ended up being derailed when it, a certain presence caused everything to go crazy, which Samus is like, oh, you mean Ridley? Ridley screaming. Mm-hmm. Which caused all the life forms to become aggressive and just, like, they just killed scientists. Madeline reveals more, though. The scientists were propagating Metroids. Okay. So, um, 
this is where we get to the point where it's like, oh, you're just rehashing Metroid Fusion, aren't you? Right, except before Fusion, so you're also just undermining the shock of Metroid Fusion. Yeah, now it's like when Samus is like, like sees the Metroids in Fusion, she should be like, again? Right. Mm-hmm. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool mm. me twice, shame on me. Like, no, in this case, it's just like, oh, no, I'm just, my little, my little bird brain couldn't remember this. Oh yeah, yeah, it ends up coming off very badly, and I, I don't know why they decided to like go back to the well with fusion in this way. I don't know, and again, where's all the crap we started off with? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, what does this have to do with any of the themes they established at the beginning? Oh yeah, like being a mom and all that. Yeah, absolutely nothing. Like, she, it's revealed that they took, like, specs of the baby Metroid off of Samus' power suit and used that to create right. the Metroids, which you think would have a bigger effect on her, but they don't. Now, granted, no. this may be because the direction that Samus' voice actress has apparently is all monotone all the time. Right. She does not emote except for one very specific part in this game. Mm. And it it doesn't seem like it was a case of just, like, bad direct. Well, I mean, it is bad direction, but... Right. Like bad direction in general because all the other characters in this game do emote and have emotion in her voice it's just samus who doesn't it's weird so yeah yeah it's a very deliberate choice that because of it it ends up calling me off as like oh they cloned the baby they took it off of my suit oh they probably did the same with ridley oh so apparently they didn't mean to recreate ridley as well Uh, (laughs) madeline's like yeah that was an accident turns out that little thing accidental clone yeah it's like turns out that little thing ended up being ridley huh weird anyways Oh, well. So here's the real dumb thing. Uh. Madeline reveals that in order to control the Space Pirate Special Forces, they needed to have something so powerful that it could just send out telepathic, you know, mind waves to control everybody. So they created an AI called MB, modeled after Mother Brain. (laughs) All right. So MB, yeah, right? So MB and the Metroids are stored in a place called Sector Zero. And Madeline's like, oh, by the way, Adam's behind uh, the pro- this project, which is called Project Metroid Warriors. You probably should ask him about that. God, that sounds so... You think Federation Force would have been called Metroid Warriors if if Other M had been well-received? Maybe. That just sounds like the Dynasty Warriors spinoff. No, yeah. Where they have true. To, where they have to make up a million characters whole cloth because it's like, uh, well, we got Samus. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, all the people around Samus who have died by now. Yep. <laughs> all of Samus's dead friends. <laughs> uh, so Samus is like, all right, well, I got to go for Sector Zero. And after that, we see Madeline is approached by the leader. who shoot, And like, we just hear a gunshot. And we're like, oh, no, Madeline must be dead. Mm-hmm. So arriving at the entrance of Sector Zero, Samus sees a baby Metroid. And she's like, oh, it's like the hatchling. So she can't really like prank herself to kill it. But then... She's all of a sudden shot from behind, and her power suit is disabled. And as she's on the ground, she sees her attacker's Adam, and she sees that the Metroid is about to attack her. And then Adam freezes the Metroid and kills it. And Adam's like, oh, well, I wasn't sure if that one's going to freeze. It's a good thing it did. And then Samson's like, hey, wait, why'd you do this? And Adam explains, because, like, listen, in there is where all the Metroids are. And if I if my calculations are correct, there's no possible way that the Federation would make a bioweapon and leave it vulnerable. They must have fixed its ability to must have fixed its weakness to uh, to ice. Okay. So now you're probably asking yourself, wait, hold on, how did you know that baby Metroid was gonna be 
vulnerable to ice? And the answer I is mean, he he didn't. <laughs> yeah, he did say that he wasn't sure. Yeah. Um. So you're probably wondering, like, does it seem like a good idea to disable the one person who could conceivably deal with the threat? And no. Vulnerable. No. Um. Does it seem like it was an incredibly unnecessary gamble for absolutely no gain, as we're about to see? I I also don't know what the gamble was. Like, what what was the plan? The plan was to prevent Samus from going to Sector Zero and sacrificing herself for no reason, because he believes that there's no way those Metroids are going to be killable. Then why not just tell her that? Well, you know. I don't. Gotta, gotta, gotta shoot somebody in the back. Why'd he shoot her in the back? To make her think that he's the, the lead? I, it's not really explained. Why does this guy shoot people in the back all the time? <laughs> Is this tactical genius? So the fun that funny thing about um the Metroid Wiki is that if you go to like Adam's page, they have at least five paragraphs where they detail all the mistakes that he made from a tactical oh level. Oh my god! And it is god. absolutely wonderful because they're like, yeah, he's he's said to be a tactical genius. Here's all the dumb things he did, like separate everybody, not allow mm-hmm. Samus to use her weapons, including her plasma beam. Shooting Samus in the back, not knowing if she he could actually deal with the Metroids. Just, as we're going to soon see, walking into Sector Zero to deal with the Metroids himself. Why? You just said there's no way they're freezable. Ah, but if he destroys a certain mechanism in Sector Zero, it will cause the space station to eject the malfunctioning unit, and then it will explode, taking the Metroids with it. Doesn't Samus's gunship have missiles or something? Couldn't they just leave the station and blow it up? You'd think. It's a hunter-class ship. Mm-hmm. Like, it's designed to blow the hell out of things. Yep. It's also a Chozo ship, by the way. Yes, it is. If nothing else, it should be able to just ram itself through the station over and over until it's dead. I'm sure there is something on there that could probably deal with those Metroids. <laughs> yeah, well, they decide not to. They decide, no. No, Adam has to go in there and make a heroic sacrifice. Uh-huh. And so that's exactly what he does. And he tells Jake, hey, no objections, right, lady? And then walks on in and seals the door behind him. And then Sam gets up and cries and does a thumbs down. And she's like, no, Adam. Is this the died saving my life moment she was talking about? Yes. Shooting her in the back and then walking through a door before she could? Yes. Yes, it 100% is. Oh, my God. This is the worst. Mm-hmm. Also, by the way, Adam reveals that, yes, he was behind a report, but his report was actually to say, hey, don't use the Metroids. Okay, And the Federation agreed, except for some people in the Federation who didn't, and I guess they got funding to build a giant space station. Okay, sure. Yeah. Also, he decided not to tell anybody that uh, Metroids were there or what the entire purpose of the station was, because sometimes your team needs to have the element of surprise sprung upon them so they can be ready at any time. Real Pink Panther approach, you see. Wouldn't it have made more sense if this station was some project Mother Brain had set up as a backup plan in case things went awry? Yeah, that'd be really cool, right? That'd be really cool. Mm-hmm. It would be. Uh, unfortunately, no, this isn't the case. And Adam sacrifices himself for really no reason. Oh, but before he does leave, he just says, hey, don't trust Madeline Bergman. Oh, She's not okay. your friend. So Sam's is like, well, that's weird. Anyways, so... She learns that there is one other survivor in the Bioweapons Research Center, and so she goes there and finds the body of another platoon soldier, which 
I believe at this point would be the final one. So everybody is dead. Okay, sure. And he, she also finds the mummified remains of Ridley, clearly destroyed by a Metroid. Okay, fun. Samus then also finds a survivor, a brunette woman with short hair, whose name is also Madeline Bergman. And so Samus is like, oh, what gives? She's like, hey, I met a Madeline Bergman. She's like, oh, is her hair blonde? It's like, yeah. It's like, oh, that's MB. It's like, uh, what? Uh, what? Yeah, so it turns out they wanted to make an AI researcher with the powers of Mother Brain to control the Space Pirate Special Forces. And so they made MB. MB um, ended up taking on the name Melissa Bergman after Madeline started calling her Melissa. And so this is where the mother themes actually come back in, by the way. Okay, yeah, sure. Melissa thinks of Madeline as her mom. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, though, she kind of gained sentience and started having opinions, and people got scared of said opinions. Uh-huh. And so they decided one day that, hey, MB needs to have her memory wiped. So they grabbed MB in front of uh, Madeline like, and tried to drag her away. And like MB's like, hey, Madeline, don't let her do this to me, like pleading with her to you know, save her life. And, right. But unfortunately, like Madeline wasn't able to do anything. Like the Federation of Marines were going to do this. So unfortunately, though, she's an android. And she's strong. Yeah. I don't know why they decided to do that. Yeah. It ends very badly. They basically get all thrown over the walls. And then even though Madeline's trying to like like reason with MB to like, hey, just don't do this, all right? M- MB decides to send out a psychic wave that makes all the creatures in the station go berserk. And that's what causes the bottle ship to basically descend into its spiral of madness. Right. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, there we go. Turns out there's okay. a walk-in little girl mother brain hanging on out. <sighs> so Samus learns all this. It's like, oh, wow, that's bad. We need to stop her. But before they can do that, a Queen Metroid just shows up and attacks. Oh, okay, sure. Why not? Yeah. Also, we find out that the um, the bottle ship is on its way to be to rendezvous with uh, Federation soldiers who are going to, of course, take over the station and, you know, use the Metroid for nefarious purposes and all that and capture MB and experiment. Right, and, sure. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. It, once again, this is literally just Metroid fusion. So, yeah. So Samus, like, fights um, the Queen Metroid and, like, manages to defeat it. And, like, all of a sudden, like, the emergency brakes just all of a sudden activate. And Samus is like, oh, what happened? And then out of, and like, it's like really crazy, right? And then all of a sudden, like, a bunch of Federation soldiers show up. And this Federation general, who's like, you know, kind of like overweight and he's clearly like mustache twirling evil, he's like, aha, mm-hmm. all these experiments will be really great. Oh man, all these files. Wow, that's really cool. Oh man, Adam died? Well, he was a dipshit. Ah, which he's not wrong about the last part, but Samson's is upset about it. And so he tells Sam, is like, your work here is done. You'll be paid, whatever. And he has a Galactic Federation soldier, like, escort her out. Mm-hmm. This Federation soldier grabs her and says, hey, let's go, princess. Mm. And Sam's is like, wait, hold on. And yeah, it's a boy. A boy's back. Good. Yeah. So yeah, good old man whose name I forgot. Anthony? Anthony! Anthony! This is how forgettable everybody is in this game. I know. Game. It's uh... <laughs> I was furiously scrolling up in my notes like, what, what was his name again? <laughs> it's, you know, it's a Metroid game. I don't. Yeah. And so in what seems to be like the really dumbest bit of legalese, mm-hmm. Anthony explains that, hey, 
he was under order, Adam was under orders from the chairman of the Galactic Federation to basically destroy all the experiments here and take Madeline with them. Uh, Mad- the, you know, actual Madeline. Uh, not, right. not destroyed. Oh, by the way, uh, MB got shot by a bunch of soldiers and died. The end. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's very... Oh, it's, okay. Yeah, yeah, it seems a little anticlimactic, doesn't it? Little bit. I mean, you know, we we've had... Brain shooting tons of lasers. We've had brain at- grafting itself to a dinosaur. We've had SAX parasite uh, square off against an Omega Metroid with a rainbow beam. But yeah, just, you know, get shot to death in a cutscene. I guess that's fine, too. Yeah. Big final battle with her? Nah. Not gonna happen. Not here. Okay. So yeah, Anthony explains that, yeah, no, the chairman ordered all this to be disposed of, and uh, the main researcher, Madeline Bergman, to go with them. And since the chairman ordered Adam to do that, that means he has to carry out the orders because he's still alive. So you can't do anything. Nah, nah, nah. And somehow this works. Okay. So they all leave. And as Samus is leaving, Samus questions whether MB was truly evil all along or just misunderstood for actually having an opinion. And does she feel betrayed? We'll never have the answers to those questions. Also, we, no one really cares. No one really cares. Now, you think the game is over, but somehow it's not. Because as you probably have realized, nothing exploded. Right. So we haven't checked the final box yet. No, we haven't. Days after the incident, like, Samus is like, hey, I'm going to go back to the bottle ship and get Adam's helmet because I just want a memento, which is kind of nice, actually. I actually kind of like yeah, that. Yeah, sure. So um, she finds us in the control room, and when she grabs it, though, she's immediately attacked by Fantoon from Super Metroid? It's just kind of a cool fight. And then okay. after that, though, the self-destruct sequence like, activates and she has to leave and the bottle ship explodes. <laughs> oh. Right? Oh. So, yeah, that is Metroid Other M. See, I assumed that she'd go back to the bottle ship and uncover something that would be like the actual final climax of the story. Nope. It's just um, oh, get, get just... helmet and leave. Oh, she just fought Fantoon. Mm-hmm. Who was there. Yeah, he was just there. He was just hanging out in space. Oh. Yeah, cool. Yeah, all right. So, yeah, that's Metroid Other M. Uh, oof, oof. It is a game that I... There are so many missteps along the way. I cannot cannot even begin. Now, I, I already knew about this, but... Uh, hey, Mike, what about the deleter? Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, they never resolve that. Oh. Well, no, they they do resolve it on the website on an article where they say, uh, no, it was the last dude you found, oh, uh, James okay. Pierce. Yeah, it turns out he confronted um, MB and tried to shoot her, and then MB's like, lol, no, I'm an android. <laughs> and then, like, his body was, like, torn up by monsters, so that's what makes it seem like, oh, no, he's actually, maybe it wasn't him. But, right. Yeah, no, he's, he's the leader. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's actually, they apparently do a decent job. Uh, setting up him as like being it because like he's the first to arrive to like the main terminal and it's already busted up and there's like like visual cues on him that indicate like you see like flashbacks to him like killing people and, he, and there's like visual cues on him that indicate that it's him uh, right so they they actually do try to like telegraph it a little bit mm-hmm. but they yeah they never actually resolve it and it never right, really there's... affects you beyond that one boss fight right ah. also why was he deleting people. Um, because the Federation wanted to cover things up. Yeah, they they wanted to cover up that they were doing illegal things. Oh. Shouldn't he have, like, tried to blow up the station or something? Yeah, well, I mean, you still want those Metroids. 
yeah. You know, I guess. you want to do Metroid things with them, and now like you want you want to get your Android back. You know, gotta gotta or do all the cool shoot things. Shoot her. Well, you know, at that point, it was either that or she's gonna tear you limb from limb. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Other M. I, I'm trying to think of like a single like plot twist that happens in this game that's actually like earned or like good. Like maybe like the initial reveal that the leader is like a little bit up there. Like it's like the one thing is like okay, that could be interesting, and then they do right. do anything with it. Right. Or like like the whole thing like with MB like being like oh no she's Android Mother Brain isn't that cool? It's like I I got it. You want to tie back the mother themes after ignoring them for most of the game, but I, right. Mm, mm. Or, like, how they just, like, well, what if we just, like, redo the entirety of Metroid Fusion, essentially? Right, yeah. 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 It's just, it's a mess. It's a mess of a game. It's a mess of a game, and there's a good reason why Nintendo does not talk about Other M. Yeah. Yeah, they've they've sort of steered away from that. Mm Mm-hmm. So, as as far as games are concerned, there was at least, well... There are technically two games after this. One is, of course, part of the Metroid Prime series that we're not going to talk about, Federation Force, mm. which actually does have disturbing implications for Metroid Prime 4. Uh, <laughs> very disturbing implications. Mm. And, of course, they remade Metroid 2. Mm-hmm. So before we leave today, we are going to talk about the bonus scenes that you can unlock in Metroid 2 because they do reference what is likely going to be the Prime setup for Metroid Dread. So, in it, you can unlock Chozo logs, and in these depict the Chozo's history on the planet SR388. In it, we learn how they, these Chozo sages landed in order to create an ideal society, but while they're there, they discover the X, and they went, that's bad, so they made the Metroid. And then the Metroid killed all the X, and then the Metroid would get along with them, and everything was great. Yeah. Until they started evolving, and that's when mm. you know, the Omega Metroids show up, they were a lot less docile. Yeah. So in order to deal with this problem, they basically got a militant faction of the Chozo to come help them. Mm. And the militant faction said, we will gladly help you. And by <laughs> help you, I mean, we're going to kill you. Yeah. And so they killed all the sages and then presumably killed some of the Metroids or, maybe, or maybe just left. It's unclear. It is unclear. Yeah. But the point is, is that it's set up that there's actually a militant wing of Chozos that might be out there and might be doing things. Yeah. Which, given in Metroid Dread, what we know of so far is that Samus is tasked by the Federation, so I guess she's on good terms with them. Uh, yeah, I guess so. To go to the planet ZDR, where it's been discovered that there may be X living on this planet. And so it's her job to dis- discover if the X are still there and then deal with them. And from trailers we've seen, it turns out there also may be militant Chozo there that are very, very upset with Samus and very much <laughs> want to kill her. Of course, we don't really know much further than that. We do right. know that apparently this is going to be the end of the Metroid storyline in in the Metroid series. Not the end of Samus' story, but the end of the mm. Metroid storyline. And this is from right. Yoshino Sakamoto himself. Mm. So who knows what that's going to be like. I guess we're going to see in roughly about a week or so after this recording. I personally can't wait to see what sort of <laughs> what sort of insanity comes from that. Should be fun. It should be I'm, fun. I'm excited for Dread. I'm excited for it too. Like, even though we've ended on a game that is, let's let's be honest, bad. It's bad. The the reality is that Metroid has a bright future. Like, Metroid Prime 4 will one day exist. Probably. And we have a cool new game that's coming out very soon. So, 
you know, Metroid fans yeah. have a lot to look forward to. And I guess this makes it two for two, uh, two series in a row where we're actually ending on kind of a high note. Yeah. Instead of this series died, the end, lol. So, yeah, that's great. Alex, how how you feeling? I feel I feel okay. I feel again frustrated by other M because I think its potential was incredible and its execution was just baffling. Yeah, just just the absolute worst. Just once again, just pure character assassination on Samus's part. Yeah, like just it's it's clear that he has no idea. Like I I want to say that it's clear he has he doesn't properly understand Samus's character, mm-hmm. which okay, to be fair, is pretty bare bones and vague by design for most for the most part. Yeah. And like so you're you're allowed to take liberties and have interpretations about it. Mm-hmm. Um it helps if you understand what makes a good story or character just period. Yeah. It really does. It's not that. Yeah, and it's like it's not just that that's that's not Samus. It's just that that's bad. Mm-hmm. And I, I think something that really puts like a really um, sour taste in everyone's mouth is just how helpless Samus becomes in other yeah. M. Like particularly the Ridley part. Like the Ridley part's bandied around quite a bit, so and yeah, and for good reason because it, it is it really, really dumb. is. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because it's not like he's written female characters that haven't like kept agency, like been put in a danger but still have agency. Mm-hmm. Like um, in the Famicom Detective series, your main character is this like kid detective who's an absolute idiot, and really the person <laughs> who actually does everything is this female sidekick who's the actual uh, main character to, uh, to the point when they put like a trophy of the a character from that series into Smash Brothers, they put her in there. <laughs> yeah, fair, <laughs> fairy telling. Yeah. Uh, and like I'm not Which, gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say she's like the paragon of like good female writing or anything like that, but right. But the point is, is like, yeah, like she gets held up by knife point at one point, does have to be saved, but then me is like, okay, no, let's suss out what actually happened here. Right. And like with Samus, though, it's just like, well, we need to make her vulnerable. Right. What if she so... cries a lot? And it's like, uh, I I get well, okay, that's being unfair. She doesn't really cry ever, but the point is she like basically breaks down emotionally. Right. And again, like be the game's potential to invest to explore vulnerability in a strong character is there Mm. but you need to be way more nuanced than oh she's sad now so she can't do things yeah yeah exactly exactly you you have to try harder than that you have to and you have to you have to tread very lightly with this because one there's a very a very common thing where male writers will write a strong female character and then try to like introduce like a more vulnerable side to her and then go the samus route Right. Where they go completely in the opposite direction where it's like a whiplash. Right. And you have to tread carefully because once again, Samus is a kind of a blank slate. Like people yeah. have projected a lot of feelings and emotions on this character. Yeah. And like on one hand, that's I mean, that's unfair to the creator, of course, because it's like, well, mm-hmm. you know, this is how I intend the character, and you're not gonna please everybody with it, but right. at the same sure. time, it does mean you gotta be kind of careful of what you do with this character. Yeah. Yeah, that's sort of the nature of it. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens with Metroid Dread, whether they continue going on with this route of let's make Samus incredibly vulnerable or if they're going to go back to more of a stoic badass or or somewhere in between. Right. I'm, I'm putting my cards on. They're going to just rehash Metroid Fusion again, and I'm going to be upset. Maybe. Yeah. But hey, who cares? I, if the game's fun, the game's fun. Yeah. 
I mean, since it's sequentially after Fusion, they could, like, expand on it Mm -hmm. rather than just undercutting the twist of Fusion by doing that same twist earlier in the timeline. Yeah, that's true. At the very least, we're guaranteed for that not to happen. Yeah. Samus could be like, oh, this is like that one time. This is now a pattern. Metroids again. Federation. Uh, (laughs) What am I going to do with you guys? Oh, you silly kids. Uh, If only your dad, Adam, was here. (laughs) (laughs) Guess I have to be your mom now. Oh, God. (laughs) That's going to do us for, uh, for this episode of Falling Through Plot Holes. I'm feeling pretty good. And uh, really can't wait to see how Metroid Dread shakes out after this. And uh, hopefully all of you listening are excited for Metroid Dread coming up as well. Yeah. And of course, uh, before we sign off, if you want to hear more episodes like this one, you should go to ftp.podbean.com. That's where all our episodes live. Or you can search for FTP or Fallen Through Plot Holes on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or YouTube, where we're at. Hanging on out. It's, it's not any different than the podcast version. You'll, you'll get a nice monochrome picture of something in text. Everyone likes text, right? I do. Anyways, text is pretty all right. It's pretty all right. Anyways, hope you all have a good day and take care, everyone. Take care.